your student radio station on 1251am. This is your Raw. Hello, welcome back. This is Insight, Raw News' premier news show. I'm your, I'm both your host and head of news, Ian Makungu, uh, he, him. And welcome to, um, this is not the Pride, this is not the Pride Week special for Raw News, but in fact, welcome to Pride Week edition of Insight. Um, and Pride Week is what Raw News, Raw, Raw is doing to celebrate um, Pride Month, going all week, we're having new pride focused programming and cat challenges so follow us all on social media you can find out more about that but for purposes of today here are our top stories we're going to be discussing the black lives matter protests that rage up and down the country and america in particular we're discussing the obviously the statue that fell in bristol um and reactions to that and i want to gain the, the pattern of the panel thinks that, that was the right thing to do we're going to be discussing madeline mccann and the new information that's come out in her case and why we think that case is still gripping the public attention so long after it happened. And of course, we're discussing Prince Andrew and his latest legal troubles. I bet you wish he could sweat now. But first, I want to introduce my guest. I'm going to start with Oscar. Oscar, welcome. Hello. Thank you for introducing me. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> I, to the sub, I sort of pre-clarified we're doing a new series of introductions. I immediately forgot we were doing it. So, Oscar, <laughs> please reintroduce um, yourself. <laughs> Uh, so hi, my name is Oscar. I am a second year biological student at the University of Warwick. Um, oh, what can I tell you about myself? Uh, I play piano. I'm a music. Uh, yeah, I play some musical instruments. <laughs> oh, um, right. And my next guest is. Hi, I'm Neeraj. Uh, he, him. I'm a second year computer science at Warwick, a computer, computer science student at Warwick, and uh, I'm the IT manager of Raw. Yeah, thank you. And my next guest. Hello, I'm Ollie. I'm a, a my pronouns are he, him. I'm a first year politics and international studies student at University of Warwick. Also, um, my go to facts, you're probably going to cringe now, but I'm just going to say it, I'm left handed. Sorry, that's all I've got. That's a great fact. That's a great fact. Yeah, I'm pleased. It's fantastic. No, I like it. Left-handed. We need more left-handed people on the show. We do. And my final, last but definitely not least, please introduce yourself. Hi, um, I'm Neil. My pronouns are he, him. I'm a first-year PPE student at work as well. And I guess my interesting thing is that I play the electric guitar. That's fantastic. Oh. Yeah, Ollie, I don't, mean, I don't even mean he really blew out the water there. I'm really I sorry. Know, I, was, I knew I was going to get beaten. <laughs> sorry about that. Sorry. No. Yeah, no, that, was, that was brutal. I, I mean, especially straight afterwards as well. I should have really pre-checked this and made sure you were going, like, last maybe, just so that would, yeah, I'm, apologies. Right, but no time to focus on that. We actually have news to discuss. Um, starting with, actually, before we get into anything, I want to issue right now a trigger warning. Um, in this show, we're discussing police brutality and obviously child abuse. If any of these topics are triggering for you, I say, for your own sake, please stop watching now. Um, but yeah, we're going to start off by discussing um, Black Lives Matter and the protests that have been in this, in this country and in America. Um, but before we do that, I do want to read out, Raw has issued a statement, an official statement on the situation, and I would like to read it out for everyone at home. Um, Raw 12.51am stands with protesters in America and across the world who are fighting for their right to basic human dignity in the face of government-approved police brutality and systemic structural racism. We stand with the black community in the battle for justice. We stand with all our black members and all black students at Warwick who are struggling right now to win that, to win that justice and those rights. The scenes we are seeing from the USA are horrifying and as an organization with a platform, we will not stay silent. 
This moment has, been, has to be a turning point in our society. The only way that can happen is if we all come together and say enough is enough. If we educate ourselves about the injustices and failings of the system we live in. If we support the people fighting on the front lines, either by joining them physically or by offering donations, signing petitions and speaking to our representatives. If we choose not to let this go until genuine justice has been achieved, then and only then will we emerge into a better world. Um, and to that end, we have Royal as an exec, we've compiled a bunch of resources. I have linked them in the description of this video and I will share them on Twitter once this whole thing is done. Um, so panel, I want to come to you now. Um, what what are your responses to the protest movement we've seen across the country so far? Um, Oscar, I'll come to you first. Um, I'm actually really happy that the protests are going on and everything's really happening. Um, uh, it's absolutely shocking to see that the the state of America as it was and how everything happens. And um, I don't have the actual proper words to describe because I am white in this case so I have a lot of privilege and I don't understand the things which has happened to these people because it doesn't apply to me and it's something that I will never understand or never be able to relate to in, in, in this sense so for me it's it's something which I find absolutely disgusting um, especially a, a human being attacking another human being for me in this sense just makes no sense and the whole aspect of this is just appalling and disgusting, and uh, I, I, yeah, I just there's no. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm lost for words of certain things. Yeah, um, Neil, I'll come to you. Do you agree with Oscar saying you do you support these protests as well? Absolutely, and um, just to like build off of Oscar's points, I think it's it's. I really can't describe it either. I think. Honestly, the way that some of these protests are going in and the level of response that the police are engaging in is, is almost satirical. You know, people are protesting real grievances and genuine issues like with police brutality and such. And the way that um, a lot of, well, a lot of uh, instances of law enforcement respond is by committing further acts of police brutality. And I just find it quite ironic that um, it's so blatantly obvious the issue here. And I feel like a lot of people within, um, just in society and then within the law enforcement in general t tend to turn a blind eye. So um, yeah, that's that's my two cents. Yeah, um, now obviously this is one issue we've seen raised quite a lot, especially in our protests happening in England. Um, people are worried that these protests are going to lead to a second spike in the coronavirus. Um, what do you think about these concerns? Oli, I'll come to you. Um, well, specifically on this point, people worried about a second spike. I mean, the R8 has been falling now, hasn't it? For um, Obviously, it varies region by region, but it has been falling now for quite a while. And I don't see the people who are moaning about the protests currently, I, I didn't see them being vocal when uh, around the time of the VE Day celebrations. So it's almost as if there is a potential that coronavirus could be um, spread between uh, during these protests. Uh, there is a, there is obviously the risk you can't eradicate it, but I don't remember the same people being as vocal six weeks ago when there was the VED celebrations. I mean, however long ago they were, or at other gatherings when people have gone to the beach. Yes, people have been concerned, but I, it seems to me as if I've seen more outrage on social media about this than any other gathering over the past six weeks, and that's a tragedy because these people are fighting for the fact they don't have basic human rights. You know, you know, when you think that the priorities of people are completely skewed at the moment. 
Yeah. Um, Niraj, would you agree with what Oscar said? Not what Ollie said? Yeah, I, I agree as well. Um, the, the thing is, yeah, so I've seen like uh, figures like Farage and, and others just kind of criticising these protests and then uh, not criticising uh, the people on the beaches and at the V-Day protests uh, when the R is higher and when they're more likely to spread the coronavirus. Uh, the thing is, yeah, the R is lower, so less likely to spread it. Um, and then the other thing is um, uh, that uh, the the people on the beaches were just there for the uh, for fun, whereas these protests are demonstrating a very serious issue. Um, and it uh, says certainly it's necessary for these protests to go ahead. Um, it's just that people, um, and also I've noticed just when it comes to kind of I see more people at the protests wearing masks uh, than at the beaches as well. Oh, so you're saying people who are going to these protests be that more careful of coronavirus than people who are just going out to have a good time. Yeah. Who might be now complaining about the protest. Yeah. 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 Um, now, I want to talk about one particular protest in general before we move on. I want to talk about one particular British protest in general before we move back to America and discuss changes being made there. Um, Obviously, we saw last, um, it was yesterday, we saw a statu statue of an old slave trader being pulled down in Bristol. Um, firstly, I want to get your reactions to that statue being torn down. And I wanted to go and discuss the wider de debate around it. So I think I'll come to you first, Neil. What was your reaction to the statue coming down? I think that it's, um, I consider it a good thing because just the amount of hatred that that statue portrays and it really, like, it's a grim reminder to the, the dark history that both, um, the UK and America's had with issues such as slavery. So I feel like I, I don't understand why the statue was there in the first place. And honestly, I'm glad that people took the initiative to take it down. And I feel like people who sort of complain about the thing, oh, it's vandalism, that's just an excuse to, they're not really looking at what the statue itself represents at a deeper level. Yeah, um, yeah. Ollie, do you agree? Yeah, I completely agree. I think it was totally right that the statue, I mean, it's incredible, really, that it, it still existed. And what has shocked me the most over the past day and the reaction to it on social media is the idea that it's been justified, or the fact that it remained and existed, it, it was justified on educational grounds. And I find that farcical. Like, you wouldn't have, it would just wouldn't be the case that you wouldn't have statues of Nazi soldiers to educate people about the Holocaust, would you? So I feel like it's just staggering that these statues existed. And I think actually that it will raise questions about a lot of other statues throughout the UK too. Uh, yeah, Oscar, what do you think? Yeah, I completely agree with what's been said with Neil and, and Ollie. It's, yeah, it's, it's ridiculous to have a statue which, which portrayed the slave trade in, in the time. And, completely agree with the statue being with being tossed into the river because it's 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 showing ideologies which are completely wrong and have been wrong since the beginning um and it's a it's a massive step i think that that we should really learn us the generation which are coming and taking over on on our planet the the future generation should know and change the way we're thinking and change systems of of how things have been because there still is this systematic racism in every single country and it has to change because we're no longer the these people anymore of 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 and we've made mistakes but we need to move on from these mistakes and you know work together there is there are far more there are huge crises on this earth and this is a major point which needs to be dealt immediately um 
before we can focus on our own environment as well. And Niraj, what do you think? Yeah, I think, yes, completely, completely right to uh, pull down the statue. Um, I think pulling down the statue actually taught people more. People actually, uh, having, having seen the statue pulled down, they actually are learning more about colonialism, how these slave traders and others have sort of um, uh, affected, uh, especially black people in Africa and even others across um, across the world and the way um, where uh, the British uh, uh, colonised. Well, um, the panel seems to be very pro pulling down the statue, so I'll, I'll just raise some of the criticism that have been thrown at this on this sort of event. And um, one, one of the biggest ones has been that the right way. To, this was well, it's been a good thing. It wasn't the right way to do it. It's, it's just sort of been done through democratic processes. Um, Oscar, hello. Me to see social. You know, sorry, I think you you froze for me. Hello, there. Oscar. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Uh, Could you repeat the question? Oh, did, I, did I freeze for a second? Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. So obviously, um, one of the biggest critiques that um sort of put against this sort of um pulling down the statue is that while it may have been right, it should have been done through public channels, you know, through democracy. Um, Oscar, what what do you have to say about that? I think if it went through a democratic um election and it would have stayed up there for a lot longer period of time than it should have ever been there in the first place. Um, and if they did that, then the statue could either have been stored, it could have either then been destroyed. There would have been maybe more options to keep it instead of just destroy it, which it should be destroyed because there's no reason to have a statue representing such a horrible man in this case. And yeah, I, for me, I, I would be complete. I'm completely would have yeah destroyed the statue completely just there and then. Stress. Um, and those of you watching, please tell us what you think about this whole issue. Um, Niraj, I'll come to you. What do you, do you agree with Oscar saying that it should have just been destroyed? Democracy wasn't working on this particular instance. Uh, yeah, I think if, as long as that, uh, um, of course, that shouldn't be the first port of call just to pull down a statue. Um, it's only once sort of like petitions have been used, um, once sort of um, I think I'm not actually sure about the, how other how else. Um, what other kind of democratic ways it could be, maybe some sort of vote, but then, you know, who does a vote go out to and all of that stuff. So I think it's quite complicated in terms of pulling down the strap, um, yeah, getting it down uh, democratically. Um, it just, uh, it's, it's just that um, once when you have a statute there, it's been there for a long time. I think people often think it should always be there. It's, um, it's been there for many years, so it should stay there. And people don't often realize that things sometimes have to change. Yeah. Um, yeah, Ollie, do you agree? Yeah, I do. I, I don't believe before now that people weren't angry about this statue existing, and I, I'm confident in assuming that yeah. Yeah. until now other means had been tried, so as much as people respond with, well, it should have been taken down properly, it's like, well, up until now that has proved ineffective, and I believe that there have been <laughs> a large portion of people that have been frustrated about this for a good many years, so it's almost as if it's a big assumption to assume that they've this is the first that people have taken like i'm sure there was dissent about it for decades and nothing's been done so it's like well i mean everything else seems to have failed yeah. so you're sort of saying that this is rather 
rather than you know, just being anti-democratic, this is what happens when democracy fails to help people. Is that well, well, yeah, clearly. I mean, nothing. It, it's still. I don't know how long it's been there for, but it's not been taken down. And I've never seen personally any suggestions on the news over the past few years that it that the suggestion of it being removed. So it's as almost as if nothing was working or proving effective. So, I mean, to me, I am sympathetic towards it being taken down. Yeah. And uh, me, I'll come to you to have the last word on this. It was this the right way to take down the statue? Um, yeah. So I I agree with everyone else um, on this issue, and like I think um, I just want to build off of Ollie's last point. And I think the failure of democracy to get rid of the statue is indicative of like a larger problem because you can see instances of these things happening all over the the country and the um, and more specifically in the states as well. So a lot of the reason we're seeing such a high level of protest and um, such a mass turnout, especially this time, is because all the other previous times, democracy hasn't really um, allowed people to achieve the um, the goals that like um, exist within the Black Lives Matter movement and that people have been trying to right these wrongs for so long through um, the sort of democratic system that we currently have. and. Um, as we've seen time and time again, it sort of failed us. And so, yeah, I, I think the removal, um, what everyone else has been saying is completely justified. Yeah. Um, you sort of touched it briefly there, but um, this obviously wasn't, what is maybe the only statue we saw torn down by protect protesters? It's not the only statue that's been vandalized. I think most um, most famously, um, sort of over the weekend, Churchill was, someone wrote Churchill was a racist on the Churchill statue in London. Um, do you think this, is, this was um, sort of, do you think we should start moving towards maybe pulling down these statues that maybe glorify people with questionable historical legacies? Um, Neil, I'll come to you on this. Um, yeah, so as long as we sort of like, um, as long as we kind of um, think about, uh, we come to a good conclusion, they're, they're definitely racist. Um, you definitely have to have a good think about them. We don't want to pull down statues uh, where people have actually done good as well. Uh, when it comes, when it comes to Churchill. Um, Whilst he did help um, Britain win the war um, and is instrumental in keeping uh, British morale, he did he did starve the people of Bengal, for example, and um, and generally, yeah, he was he t treated black people with contempt as well. So uh, and yeah, he and under Churchill, uh, the British Empire continued to stand. So he was he certainly wasn't prepared to end uh, British colonialism. Um, so, yeah, I also extend the same thing to the panel there. Do you think the Churchill statue is this? Obviously, I don't I don't want to focus it too much on the thought that it's a Churchill statue worth standing up, because obviously that's a very complicated legacy. But in a more wider sense, are these statues that we have across Britain, which maybe venerate questionable figures, are they worth keeping? Or is it time to say, let's take them down, have a fresh start? Um, Ollie? Um, yeah, I mean, perhaps, I mean, it's difficult, isn't it? Because there are statues of that exist of a lot of people that have done that do have questionable historical um, legacies. But I just want to, if you don't mind me, I want to return to no. the church. No, point, I just no, wanted to add to what has just been said that it is possible. People seem to have some kind of bias to think that they have to have a binary opinion of like historical figures, like either someone was really good or someone was really bad. And I, I think it is possible to have a nuanced view. And I think it's also possible to admit that Churchill defeating the Nazis was a good thing but also simultaneously acknowledge that he was a colonialist I mean I don't think you can have you can have an opinion which incorporates both of those points and I think 
particularly today, it's almost as if people have got to have like a certain yes or no attitude to someone, and I don't. I think that's too simplistic. Yeah, um, Neil, would you agree with Ollie's saying there? Um, yeah, I agree. And with regards to statue, I I think um, in and of themselves, statues. Like again, we can have this binary yes, we can keep them or no. But I feel that the issue stems a lot further than statues because. At the end of the day, I I don't personally see statues like as a as a means of like conveying information or like these people exist within the public um, mind without the need for statues, especially Winston Churchill. And I feel like the deeper issue here is how do we educate people on historical figures? Do we um, wipe away all their bad deeds and only focus on the good things? And so I feel like that sort of also kind of developed this whole binary between either this person was a really bad person or this person was a really good person. And I feel like there needs to be an increased level in the way we evaluate, especially within um, evaluate past leaders within the framework of how we teach history and particularly British history as well. And now you raised an interesting point there, which is now going to pull us completely off track because I want to discuss it. How we teach British history. We've seen a growing movement across um, sort of a grassroots movement, um, grassroots movement to change how we teach British history to focus more on the impacts of colonialism. What do you all, firstly, what do you all think about that? And also, what were you taught about colonialism when you were in school? Um, Neeraj, I'll start with you. Yeah, I certainly agree with uh, teaching colonialism schools. It's important that we gain the full picture, not just simply learn about the way Britain won the war, um, Second World War, for example, but also what have they done uh, uh, before um, uh, before the Second World War. Um, certainly, uh, I've, I've mainly just been taught about, like, for example, the Cold War, kind of, um, so I've learned all about how... Um, how the fall of the Soviet Union, just kind of about the cold, um, like Cuban Missile Squad, just the Cold War, kind of Nazi Germany and sort of Weimar Germany as well. But I haven't really learned so much about sort of um, uh, how Britain kind of kind of conquered, conquered the world in many ways, kind of conquering Africa, conquering large parts of Asia. Yeah, um, Ollie, do you agree with what Nia sort of was saying there that, yeah, this needs to start being, being taught? Yeah, it does. I remember when I was at school, there was just a massive focus on 20th century history and anything that came before 1900, it seemed almost as if that it was, it wasn't necessarily not taught in my school, but it was as much as you'd, you'd spend like just what a few lessons on the British Empire. And I found that staggering because when it got to GCSE, you would spend weeks and weeks on world war one and world war two so i think and it was a discussion we i often had with my history teachers the idea that the curriculum in britain is kind of it is it just just teach in the uk in a positive light because i remember a lot of us used to question that whether in germany they erase world war one and world war two from their history their, well like the way they teach history but then we also don't acknowledge that actually we currently erase a lot of bad british history from being taught and i think it's absolutely right and i hope this these events now prove a catalyst for it to be taught more because it needs to be so a lot of people don't understand a great deal of british history yeah uh, I, don't, I don't want to get caught on this for too long so i do i need to i want to touch on one last talk before we leave britain and go back to america um We've, there's sort of been two major instances I want to sort of discuss in relation to each other. Um, first is the use of mounted police officers in sort of respecting the London riots, and obviously the situation where a police officer pull off her horse and the horse then went rampaging and in fact hurt another rioter. Not rioter, I think. Riot, I keep saying riots. I mean protests. I've, I've, I've said the word riots in newspapers too many, too many times. And of course, in 
um, in Bristol. In fact, the police did not intervene to stop sort of the Thatcher being pulled down. What do you think the police's role should be in these riots, and how much of that is um, how much of that how much force do you think they should be using? And I keep saying riots, protests. I keep saying riot protests. And how much force do you think they should be using? Um, Neil. Um, so I have no knowledge on how like um, police sort of uh, work within protests, but from my um, from my point of view, I believe that the the role of a law enforcement or police within a protest um, should be de-escalation as the number one pri priority. So if it's a peaceful protest, nothing um, we haven't reached like a level of violence that calls for any sort of um, intervention, and so I feel like police should um, try and facilitate the protest in a way that it doesn't lead to or escalate into further violence. And to also, and I think this, um, and then with regards to the pulling down of the statue, I think had the police intervened, there would be um, a bit more controversy because at the end of the day, um, it's it kind of brings up the, um, the idea that um, a lot of people have criticized the police for their protection of private property or no, not necessarily private property, but property over um, people. And I feel like I might've gone on a bit of a tangent, but yeah, that's it. Um, no, we, we love tangents here. Tangents are fantastic. I'm sure we're gonna say what they feel. Um, does, anyone, does anyone agree with what Neil's saying or in particular anyone disagree with what Neil's saying? Or we just all all on all board across. All Fantastic. Yeah. Fantastic. You know, one day I'm going to get a panel that actually does disagree with each other. One day it's going to happen. Not anytime soon, but it will eventually. Right. In that case, I think we should move away from Britain and discussing the effects here and stop talking about the events in America, which has, has a lot has happened. Um, so, ACAB, or all cops, are a word I can't say on Raw. Um, is the sort of the big um, slogan of the movement in America that urges people to abolish police, abolish or majorly reform police departments. Um, we've seen that in Minneapolis, the police department sort of started this whole off by um, their by you know murdering George Floyd. We um, their mayor and council has promised to abol essentially abolish and replace their police department with community initiatives. Um, I want to get your reaction on that first. What do you think to that sort of new movement? And then we're going to discuss the wider political implications of um, ACAB and the abolished police movement. Um, Ollie, I'll come to you. Oh, I thought I felt like you could see me ready to say something, but I feel like I can simplify this up in a few words by saying that don't let anyone ever tell you that a protest doesn't work. Simple as that. Um, Niraj? Um, so, I, th I think, yeah, I think it's a good thing that they have, th that um, the police, uh, that Minneapolis um, has decided to, uh, so, the, so the A, so what does it stand for again? So a um, all cops are a word I can't say on. Okay, all right. <laughs> okay, all right. All right. Um, so, I think, I think generally the problem in America is that the police department is often, um, has kind of got like, for example, vehicles of the military and the sort of, very much almost been funded by the military so i think it's it's great that there's uh, reform to the police force um because it's definitely badly in need of uh, form um yeah <laughs> um so um, i want to ask when i when people say abolish the police or you know re reform the police what sort of comes to mind when people say that um oscar i'll come to you um for me it'd be the guns <laughs> 
Um, I think the major issue, uh, I was looking at a statement in the BBC that showed that uh, an increase of deaths in America were coinciding with the amount of weapons that the police forces in America were gaining and being given to from the army. So the army, when they use uh, uh, a set weapons, after they then get new weapons, they give the excess weapons to the police. And that is an issue in itself, because if you're giving the weapons to the police force, then because it's it's an issue in itself. And I think as well, there's a lot of issue if um, educating police officers and seeing how they get into the force and already it's it's it there needs a lot of reform in the police and understanding guns, I think, in America. And I know it's their first or second amendment, which they're not going to want to change. And with Trump, especially as a president, that was its whole presidency. It's something that they do need to change and kind of slowly, because they can't do something direct, otherwise people will rebel. Um, but they need to slowly implement it and gradually change people's minds because I think that might be the best option. Yeah. Um, also, if, by the way, if you are watching or listening at home, feel, feel free to message in or comment in and tell us what you think of the abolish cops movement, of anything that we talked about here today, and what comes to mind when you hear abolish the police and what sort of ideas and policies that brings to mind. Um, now, let's move and talk about Donald Trump and the White House. Um, last week, we saw the mayor of DC rename the street outside the White House on Black Lives Matter. Um, after after Donald Trump, there was um, well, this actually rises going back a bit further. Donald Trump gave a speech at a church in Lafayette Square, and to do so, he the police were sent out to clear the street of protesters, which they did violent, very extremely violently, in action that's been disavowed by almost everyone else involved but Donald Trump. In response to that, um, DC's mayor's kind of has asked the National Guard to leave all DC hotels and has renamed the street from the White House Black Lives Matter Square. In response to that, Donald Trump has put up new shielding around the White House, which have now been covered in Black Lives Matter signs. Um, so let's let's bring let's all break this down to pieces. What do you think of Donald Trump's initial response at Lafayette Square? Do you think that was a tall appropriate thing to do? Um, I've, I've come to you a lot, Oscar, and I know you, I think <laughs> you want to say something about this, but I'm going to go to Neil first on this. Um, I just think it's it's absolutely tone deaf, and I'm um, I'm not even sure I I could be wrong, but I don't think he even gave a speech necessarily. I think it was for a photo op in front of the um a church, if I was correct. I think the speech was before it, and I, I, obviously, yeah, he sort of gave half a speech there, traveled across the square, and had a photo op with the with sort of Bible, and then gave the rest of his speech there. So yeah. sort of like a, a two part. Uh, okay, fair enough. So yeah, I I think it. Was incredibly um, tone deaf, and I feel like he's he's just doing that to um, appeal to a lot of his voter base. Um, because, and uh, I just think it's it's I'm, I'm not sure if it's 100% illegal, but it's just absolutely immoral to have like to gas your own citizens who are peacefully protesting. They were moved by the riot police in such like um, intense forms of violence. Also, you could get a photo op. And the funniest thing was he didn't even hold the Bible correctly. It was upside down. Yeah. I mean, you you touched on the tear gas usage there. I do want to talk more about Donald Trump, but I feel like this is that's all the perfect segue to discuss the use of tear gas in suppressing protests. Um, recently, we've seen a huge movement of people in Britain say asking the government to stop sending tear gas to America. And we've seen some states in America 
openly admit they've used over 30 days worth of tear gas on protesters and now run out of their supply for the next month. Um, do we think it's appropriate to use tear gas, which is, I think, let's just put it bluntly, a chemical weapon that's outlawed by the Geneva Convention used in war times. Do we think it's appropriate to use it in suppressing protests? Um, Neeraj, I'll come to you on this. Uh, definitely, it shouldn't be. Definitely, um, it should not be used if the protest is peaceful, because um, it's an act of aggression over, basically, uh, when the protesters aren't causing any harm. It's, uh, it, um, it ideally shouldn't be used at all. But if it has to be used, then only if it's if the protest is completely getting out of hand, uh, which I haven't seen that much of, and certainly I've seen cases where tear gas has been used in the wrong at the wrong time. So. Uh, so in most cases, no. Yeah. Um, would you guys say you agree with, um, with Neeraj and the usage of tear gas? Oscar, I'll, I'll finally come back to you. Um, no, I think it's there's no use in using tear gas because these are peaceful protests. They're, they're demand fundamental and the police are fighting back. They're trying to make uh, the protesters mess up. They're trying to make things worse than it is and therefore discredit them so that they can say, oh, we have got reason to use the weapons that we've got. And you're just thinking, why? Because, I mean, there are some people that are using the protests for their own gains, such as the looters who have attacked shops or... Um, some YouTube um, uh, stars which are using the protest to boost. Oscar? Oh. Oscar's, uh, Oscar's um, very briefly no. after leave, I'll leave us. Oh. Hopefully, I'll leave. oh, there he's back. No, sorry. He's back. <laughs> <laughs> um, Fantastic. Oh, yeah. um, if you want to just finish your point, Oscar, then we'll. <laughs> Yeah, I was, I was just coming up to YouTubers which are using the protest to focus on their own views and gain stuff like that, which I find is absolutely disgusting. Um, so, that's yeah, it, it, I think the weapon use should not be used. Yeah. Um, now, we obviously talked about aggression, and we've seen an astounding amount of aggression come from police officers over these protests towards protesters. Of course, people were peacefully protesting. We've seen people run off with cars. We've seen old... Um, uh, one of my very famous image, we've seen an old man who's only trying to give police officers back his helmet, was knocked down, and then police officers refused to help him back up. Um, why do we think we're seeing this level of, of violence from police officers? Um, Ollie, I'll come to you. Um, I really, I really, really don't know. You, you would think at the moment now that the response of the police arguably be, well, just... As you can just tell, I really don't know what to say. I have no idea why we're seeing this response to certain police officers. You would think after what happened with George Floyd, a lot of other police officers would want to demonstrate that they aren't, that that, that isn't across the board, and that there are a lot of police officers in the United States, but also across the world, but that do care about protecting citizens. So I, I really don't understand why this has happened. I mean, it's trying to get into that American mentality, which you just so seldom do successfully. <laughs> Um, uh, thank you. I want to step away. I want to step away from that and go right back to talking about Donald Trump and the White House. So, obviously, the events of Lafayette Square happened, and now in response, the mayor of DC is renaming the road outside the White House Black Lives Matter Avenue. Um, I want just really give me your reactions to that. Do you think that was this is a great political move, a magnificent act of trolling, or petty and political in a time we don't really need it? Um, now to come to you. I think that's it's it's quite a nice thing that uh, they uh, his native green industry, especially uh, kind of 
to contrast the way uh, um, Trump is just simply uh, holding up a Bible and appealing to his followers, I think uh, certainly it, it's, it's quite nice to see some sort of opposition to uh, what Trump is doing. Uh, um, yeah, um, panel, do you agree? Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Completely. Again, universal agreement. This is <laughs> truly, you guys are just going to burn through my topics. I really hope there'll be more, <laughs> if not arguing on the grand scheme of things, in the details there'll be more arguing. Um, okay, so now let's get to Trump's new security barrier. Because apparently the old White House fence and all the security so and every member of the Secret Service are not enough. Donald Trump has now erected a fence around a, a second fence around the White House to protect himself from priests or protesters. Um, you know, he's finally built that wall, but Mexico has not paid for it. Um, panel, let's just get your. Do you think? I yeah, just give me reactions to it. What do you think of Donald Trump erecting this new fence to protect himself from peaceful protesters? Um, Neil, I think it's more of a statement rather than a security measure because obviously. He's the president of the United States. They're going to protect him at all costs. You know, he can go into a bunker or whatever. I think it's more of a message that he's not willing to um, understand the the grievances that these people have. And that's so evident with his rhetoric as well. He focuses so much on such a small portion of the protests. You know, he keeps on going about the, going on about these Antifa thugs and things like that. Where he's intentionally obfuscating it to the point where people believe that it's not necessarily a peaceful movement, which in reality, it most almost 90 99% of the time it is and so i think it's um either it's he's just um afraid or he's trying to be strategic in especially given the whole upcoming election uh well you you say the upcoming election um we reached a milestone recently joe biden um polled over 55 percent more than donald trump in an election campaign um polling which is the highest any sort of Candidates polled against an opponent since about Ronald Reagan, since Ronald Reagan's time, essentially, and uh, um, especially I mean, if, you know, poignant looking back since looking back twenty sixteen, Hillary Clinton rarely polled at fifty percent, fifty percent. So Joe Biden is now blowing; he's, the gap is now widening and widening. Uh, how do we think this impacted Trump's hopes of being re-elected, um, Ollie? Um, I would say it will have concerned him, but obviously I think all of his um, actions that he's taken over the past few weeks have only, it isn't, he's had no intent of showing solidarity with the Black Matters campaign or Black Lives Matter campaign. All it has been is to, his, at the back of his mind the entire time is how, what he says is going to impact him politically. And I think, one, it's just a damning indictment to him as an individual, but I, I do hope that this polling is is accurate, like I'm sure most of the planet do too. But um, no, I, I think that it will have concerned him. But what does worry me the most about Trump, I don't know if anyone else um, believes this too, but I think even if he did lose by democratic means, he would, in his final three months before, obviously the new president was, Joe Biden would take over, I think he would do his utmost to just try and prevent it or stop it from happening. I really think he would be a, a bad loser come October. Um, yeah, obviously Donald Trump is um, he fa very famous before the 2016 election floated claims that the vote was already rigged against him, exactly, and then yeah. even once he won, he was already um, it's all what he it's always part of his election preparation routine. So he gets up in the morning, brushes his teeth, claims the election is rigged, and it goes about his day. Um, Niraj, what do you think about Donald? Um, what do you think about this whole this new poll? Do you think Donald Trump has has a, has a good chance of winning 2020 election? Um, I don't. I mean, it's hard to say really. We're we're still some some way off in the election, and the thing is, if 
America does reopen, the economy does bounce back. But there's a real chance of him being re-elected because if the economy does bounce back, he's very much about the stock markets, um, then he could end up being in power. But, of course, if if the protests... Um, but it does look increasingly likely that the protests are driving home an important point that uh, Trump has kind of neglected um, a lot of uh, minority people in America. And um, I think that, that could uh, go against him, especially now everyone sort of kind of joining the black uh, black lives kind of protest i think it's it's perhaps a possibility that um joe biden could actually win the election yeah um yeah i mean if you have any opinions on this if you think trump's can still pull it back or joe's guaranteed to win please comment along if you have any thoughts on anything we said today just leave a comment and tell us what you think in fact maybe you could be the one to disagree with our panel maybe that could be where we get some debate coming in. um yeah, so I guess um, before we leave the Black Lives Matter topic alone and transfer on to our next sort of set of topics, um, any last words from the panel? I mean, um, I you. <laughs> yeah, same. I, I missed what Oscar said, so... I, uh, Oscar, what did, you, what did you say? I said I had a few, I have a few comments, but... Oh, I'll, great. I'll, yeah, no, please. Oh, oh okay. Um, we have 20 minutes left. Um, I mean... I think with the whole Trump uh, thing, first of all, I don't know if any of you saw the video of Trump going to the church. It was a whole propaganda video. I laughed the whole yeah. way through. Um, it's, it's, I think the other thing that really annoyed me, um, and I, I think uh, some, I would know that a lot of other people got more annoyed than I was uh, or did, uh, was when Trump mentioned uh, George Floyd and actually said that he's looking down and he's saying this is a good day for him and for everyone. And I was just thinking, how dare you? You you have no right in this sense to, to, to use that name. You, you've abused the people that you've worked with. You uh, abused the people that um, make the country work. You, you have just made lives horrendous for loads of people, especially in America, where you brought out some houses and especially with the Taj Mahal um, casino where he didn't even pay half of the employees where he uh, got a lot of Polish uh, people to come and build the hotel and then when it was built they didn't even pay them so he's been abusing people and mine and loads of other people since he's been in in the, since the 1990s and I think but for, for what we do need, especially in America, is a change um, from not another old white man or a middle-aged white man anymore in power. It has to be a full change. It has to be a younger generation, uh, someone who has um, who is of color or who is um, more... Uh, it has to be a change. They, they can't keep on the same pattern that it's been for the last... 100 to 200 years because that is where the issues are old white men in this case with the same views and don't want to change anything and hopefully joe biden can be a change we need then um and then neil any last um, yes yeah, so i had a with regards to I, I wanted to bring this up earlier but um but we kind of segued into a different topic and that was the um the sort of optics that we have with um the the phrase abolish the police because I understand the sentiment and I agree that there's a, a stunning amount of reform that is needed, but it, it isn't necessarily good optics because the way people tend to perceive something like that is to say, oh, we want to completely disband the police force, which I don't think is um, the, the sort of favored opinion amongst 
most of the black people within the Black Lives Matter movement. I could be wrong. And I feel that a lot of people are quite reactionary. And so they will tend to disagree a lot with that point, even if the point abolish the police doesn't necessarily remain, um, mean remove the entire police force. But to, I would say that I think the way that we need to present solutions is more from a reformist point of view rather than a complete abolitionist, because I feel um, a lot of people will tend to um, lose sight of the, or lose interest in, in that amount of change if we simply say, oh, our change is to abolish the police, et cetera. Yeah. Yeah. Any other final comments? That's, that's all. Yeah, that's all. Well, moving on to other com another conversation that's been going on for far too long. Madeleine McCann um, was back in the news this week as German the German police announced they have a new suspect in the case. Um, now, for reasons um, for reasons of German law, obviously they're actual. This is actually true. Um, we could raw news cannot. I've shared the we cannot share the picture because we're an international website. German law is very strict about this. And news as newspapers learned all of last week when the BBC wasn't allowed to say it, but of course, and newspapers had to print it. But they had to censor it when they went on the BBC. Um, so, firstly, I want to ask: How familiar is everyone here with the Madeleine McCann case in the first place? Not, not really. I'm afraid. Uh, I mean, well, so, 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 so. I mean, yeah. I, I, I vaguely remember a time when it was almost the only news story we had in this country. Uh, imagine, I remember when that was? That must seem bizarre looking back at it. Uh, obviously, and so it's obviously it's become a quite a big controversy in this country that the Madeleine McCann cases have been carried on for so long. Whenever missing persons cases or missing children's cases, especially, tend to be left alone. Um, why do you think this case has been has so captured public imagination and then so captured police attention and funding? Um, Nero, I'll come to you first. Uh, to be fair, I'm not actually that sure of why it has. Um, it's, it might just be because, I mean, of course, people, I mean, she was quite young, of course, and so maybe it could be because of that. Uh, but it does seem a bit strange how people have been so focused on funding finding her rather than for example the kind of the planes like the mh370 and stuff uh, and sort of i mean that that investigation is called off some time ago um yeah ollie would you say would you agree with what you're saying there uh, yeah i think in answer to the question about why it got so much um why it's had so much coverage over the past uh, 13 years is because to the media she is like one of us she's us as in the media is a collective term. She's white and from a middle class family. I think it's scandalous. I think I was reading the other day that over eleven million pounds of taxpayers' money have been spent on the case, and I think it's just an abomination. Like children go missing so regularly and, they, and all the time, and they get little, or in, I imagine, in a lot of cases, no coverage. And I think also it's an excellent example of um, white privilege because if she would have been from a black family or from a more working class family, then it would have got absolutely nowhere near the coverage that it's had. And I'm sorry to sound heartless, but this this case really, really does annoy me. I mean, uh, you, um, obviously, I won't say this rest of the panel, do you agree with what Ollie's saying there, that this case only received the clever coach it has because Madame McCann is from a middle-class white family, and if she come from any other sort of class strata, she would not have been, it would not have been the same thing. Um, Neil? Um, I agree as well, yeah. I, I think that that could be a, an explanation for the amount of like uh, relevance, not relevance, but the amount of media attention that this case gets. But I feel like um, within the public discourse, I feel like a lot of people are also kind of tired of hearing about it. And um, sort of that's maybe why um, 
I think people have started to air more grievances about the case. And um, I'm not sure if this is true or anything, but I, I do believe there's like quite a bit of a movement about, I think people are always, it's sort of the mystery to themselves as well. And um, I think some people believe that the parents did it and things like that. So there's yes. all these conspiracy theories and going on. And I think that's what some people feel entertained by it. That's kind of what the cynic in me would say. Yeah, I suppose that that was a bit, our scientists have a very perverse relationship with crimes and cold cases. And um, but something okay. Now we discussed we discussed that, and we will touch on that briefly. I want to also talk about the the way German case law works and how we can't show the picture of them, the person accused, or spread their name around. And compare that to English law, where of course we means have to freely do so. Do you think the Germans had the correct way of doing it, or do you prefer our way, um, Oscar? As our European correspondent, I'll come to you first. <laughs> Um, well, I'd say, as each country has their own way of dealing with um, uh, criminals, uh, I think the German way of not being able to show the image and cover up certain aspects of the uh, person that's involved does allow them to maybe focus a bit more and don't, maybe not have the media um, be, on, be at every turn where the police are so that the police can focus a bit more on their investigation. Um, I mean, for people who are interested in it, there does need to be a bit more research and they do need to, to, to hear more from the police. And then uh, eventually the police will give uh, the name and uh, images and, and other things like that. But um, I think it's, it's, it's interesting to see different countries work, how, how they work and how police uh, systems work. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um... Yeah, panel, I'll send a question to all of you, and you can all go on to answer those go first. Do you agree with what Oscar said? Do you think the German way works, or do you prefer the English way? Um, I think it's a bit of a double-edged sword, the German method. And um, so obviously, with increased awareness of the potential suspects, there could be um, the opportunity to um, for the public to, maybe someone has information on the suspect and could maybe provide new evidence to the case. So that's something that the German police might miss out on. But like um, like Oscar said, there is an element of the media intertwining themselves within the case. And often that can lead to large amounts of like um, sensationalism. And that sort of um, creates these different narratives within the case where people, um, they don't necessarily, like a lot of perhaps public opinion and such, isn't necessarily fact-based within the evidence surrounding the case, but rather the, the sort of media narrative that comes to play. And um, I feel like that shouldn't be part of a police investigation. Yeah. Well, that's been a really fruitful discussion with Madeline McCann there. I want to talk to, what, turn to our last topic for today, Prince Andrew, um, who's back in the hot seat, as it's come out that he was asked to cooperate with um, a, a mutual legal aid agreement with America, and they wanted to testify about his relationship with Jeffrey Epstein. Obviously, we saw last year that became a major sort of heat. I mean, one my blow up point for the royal family. He had in, was interviewed by the BBC, and many horror, sort of horrifying stories are circling around Prince Andrew's relationship with Jeffrey Epstein. I want to just come to you all first and get your reaction to this latest element of Prince Andrew's saga. Olive, you you had some very, some very clear earlier. I want to see what you think now. Um, my opinion on this is that I think he should cooperate because he hadn't, he hasn't done thus far, and I think by refusing 
to answer questions. I mean, I, I hope he will, but I mean, if he doesn't, then it just shows t a total disrespect to him for the victims, doesn't it? And I think, I mean, he said in the past which he never suspected any wrongdoing by him. So I think that would make me question that if that's the case and that's true, then why has he been so reluctant to answer questions thus far? I, I hope he does. Yeah. Um, Niraj, what do you think? Yeah, yeah, I definitely hope he does cooperate with the investigation, as, like, uh, as uh, Ollie said. Um, yeah, I think it, it's important um, for uh, kind of the uh, authorities to know more about um, what's done. Uh, they need the full picture. Um, yeah, kind of. Yeah. And Neil? Um, yeah, I, I agree as well. I think he should really cooperate. And like, um, like Ollie said, if he um if he doesn't that kind of arouses more suspicions and um yeah I, that's really all i have to say to be honest well it's i mean i, I do think this is one topic where we're not going to get that again a very vast <laughs> array of responses yeah. i even seeing here as an impartial observer i i struggled to see an, an argument in favor of ignoring illegal summons about your issue of a known pedophile um and so i i think we're going to have to start drawing the show to a close um one last question. Um, obviously, we're in a time of lockdown easing here in England, and I know France was had a looser lockdown. So now that lockdown's all coming to an end. Do you guys have any um, plans now that you might you couldn't do before the now like you can do? Um, well, I, I'm not currently in the UK, so oh. I'm still kind of in lockdown. Oh. Yeah. Um, where where are you now, and what's the situation now? Um, I so I my family lives in Dubai, so I'm with them right now. And we've um, as a as a city or as a country, the UAE more or less has sort of opened up the economy. But then there's also that. So I think that's going to occur in many other countries as well, and we're seeing that. But then on a personal level, you also have to make the decision, or you have to weigh the risks because perhaps you might be living with someone who might be at risk. So while you can possibly legally go out and do things, you need to think to yourself, is this the most responsible action that I can take? Am I putting others at risk by my um, legal, but may not, maybe not um, responsible actions? Yeah. Paolo, um, say I, I said the same question to you, and also do you agree with what Neil's saying? Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, well, here in France, uh, the the lockdown has eased a lot more, and um, more shops are open, and and you can and you can actually meet up with other people, um, as long as you're still wearing a mask, and you can actually, unlike the UK government, where you can't go to someone's house and have intimate things there. So <laughs> in France, you can do that. France, it's, it's it's one of the places where you can do that, uh, as long as you're wearing a mask. I think it's still quite weird, but um, uh, yeah, people can still meet up. People can go outside. Uh, here, the beaches are opening up, and tourists are um, are actually coming down. So we've got tourists a bit from Germany, France, and uh, I think Italy as well, because borders are now opening up a bit more. Yeah, thank you, Oscar, for the timely reminder. In the UK currently, it's illegal to have carnal relations with anyone outside your house, inside your house. Um, the rules of doing it outside are unknown to me, but that's up to you to find out. Um, any last remarks on this before we sort of start to bring the show to an end? Oh, I was just um, oh. going to say that. Oh, 
Fair enough. Now, the only thing I was going to add to this was that I live in the West Midlands, which is just outside of the Northwest, and I'm not sure if any of you saw on the news over the past week that the RA is suspected to have gone above one in the Northwest again. So whether we will be getting any regional kind of lockdown rules that change over the next few weeks will be interesting to see. Oh, yeah, that, I mean, that will be something to watch, and hopefully um, we'll have space to actually talk about lockdown on the show by then. Although I think we have really discussed, we've really discussed all, all aspects of coronavirus the entire I would say eight week run on the show now, so um, yeah. Oh, we only have two shows oh. left, so watch out for that, everyone. I don't um, want to put in, but I don't know if you've had yeah. the BBC News alert. Just oh, oh yes, the actually that is something. Yeah, it leads on we, to what you were just talking about. Has there um has there oh, was is this one about the lowest number of deaths we've had? No, no, no. Oh, it's another no, one. No, no. I've, oh, I've, I've, I've had the one. Please read it out. Um, it's just come up on my phone that it says Prince Andrew says he offered to help US officials at least three times in inquiry into sex offender Jeffrey Epstein. So it's kind of more information regarding that case. But as it just yeah. popped up on my phone, I feel like I, I should have amplified it. To the... No, I mean, wait, please, um, panel, immediate reaction to that new piece of news. Um, <laughs> I think that, so So from what I gather, he's attempted to help them out in the past. Is that what it is? Yes, saying? three times. Yeah, yeah so, so that's that just shows the fault of like the um the people investigating in the first place because uh it's just the like the only reason that the investigation has sort of come come back to light is because of the um sort of controversy surrounding other celebrities and um obviously the death of Jeffrey Epstein as well so i feel like um the investigation in, in and of itself should have been more thorough um and should have been more consistent throughout um one thing I might ask is, uh, do you think he's telling the truth? Do you think Prince Andrew is telling the truth currently? Um, <laughs> well, I mean, it's all, it's uh, Oscar, hard, Oscar's yeah. just, Oscar's no. just shaking his head for anyone who's listen to this once I make it a podcast. <laughs> yeah. Um, Niraj? Yeah, no, I don't, I'm not sure he is. Like, he, he talked about the, I think, like, the sweating issue, like, that's amazing. I, I don't know, I don't, I don't think any of us can really trust whatever yeah. he says, really, so... Yeah. To clarify what um Nara just saying there, Prince Andrew claims he has not sweated in was it eighteen years or some <laughs> yeah the man so he's he's not quite eighteen years it had something yeah. to do with a pizza a pizza express in walking oh, I wasn't yeah. really paying attention at the time it was a very bizarre series of events but yeah um well I think I think on that note we should probably start drawing the show to uh, a close because I don't I don't I don't think we can take any more news at this point um but yeah. Thank you, everyone. Um, thank you, Oscar, Niraj, Neil, and Ollie for coming on. You were absolutely brilliant guests. Um, yeah, so thank you so much for coming on to the show. Um, just one last thing I want to say before we end the, uh, you know, before we, I let you all go and I stop holding you up for you on holding up in your day. Um, uh, as I said earlier, if you want to at all help support the protest movement, um, link there's a link in the description of this video offering you resources you can educate yourself, petitions you can sign, and a letter you can use to message, write to your MP. And of course, um, places you can donate to help fund bail release funds and all sorts of educational programs to help support communities and communities of color in America. Um, one other thing I want to say is it is, as I said at the beginning of the show, it is Pride Week here at Raw, and Raw News is absolutely going to do something to support that, which I'm happy to announce the Pride Cast happening. Um, if you're interested in getting involved in the Pride Cast, which is essentially going to be a podcast discussing issues facing the LGBTQA plus community that are sort of either underlooked or ignored by the, main, the large mainstream media. Please just, uh, contact me and I'll add you to the sort of conversation we're having. And also, but also if you want to get involved in anything we're doing here at Raw News, be a, a show, a podcast, 
a video project. Just join the Raw News group on Facebook. We post all our opportunities, and you're, you can find out more. But lastly, I want to say thank you for watching and listening this week. You've been absolutely fantastic, get, um, not guests, you've a fantastic audience. Um, thank you. <laughs>